Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman Torpy. And I'm Pete Torpy. In this week's show, we'll be bringing you something completely different. Nancy and I went on an extended road trip recently from Colorado, going through Nebraska and Iowa and winding up in Michigan. And we'll tell you about some of the things we saw on that trip and how it all went. We spent the last year and a half interacting with our young grandsons with video calls. And while that was enabling, it really just didn't cut it. So even though we weren't quite ready to get on an airplane, we really, really, really wanted to see the grandkids. So we hopped in the car for miles and miles and miles. And you get to hear some of the highlights of the trip. But first, for our tip of the week. This week's tip is... Next time we're going to make this trip in an airplane, it is a long, boring trip by car. But we tried to make it as interesting for our listeners as we could. Support for Eyes on Success is provided by... Guide Dogs for the Blind, working to help individuals who are blind or visually impaired move through the world safely through partnerships with trained guide dogs. More information is at guidedogs.com. And by NaviLens, a four-color QR code designed to be located and read from up to 60 feet away without the need to focus on it. Now, using augmented reality, NaviLens 360 Vision locates the NaviLens codes in a 3D space available for iPhone and soon for Android. More at navilens.com. You are listening to Eyes on Success. 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 Let's start by giving an overview of the trip. As we mentioned earlier, we really, really, really wanted to visit our son and grandsons after the pandemic restrictions had been lifted, but we weren't quite ready to fly. So we embarked on a heck of a road trip. Took us three days to get there. We spent four days with them and then four more days coming home. Lots of highway, lots of corn, lots of hay. And on the way, we decided to make the most of the trip and investigate some of what there was to see along the way to break up the driving. And much as she hates driving, Nancy wouldn't let me do any of the driving. One thing we learned going through Nebraska and Iowa, which are each endless, and they come one right after the next, is that for some reason they have textured roadbeds, and it is crazy loud, and we couldn't even listen to podcasts because of all the road noise. And some of the roads are better than others out here. This is a particularly abysmal road. And it's very loud in the car. That was grooved concrete and, oh my gosh, the road noise. You know, loud noises can be distressing under any conditions if they persist for a long time. But particularly if you're blind, it destroys, you know, one of your other senses that you're using. So I, I was happy to get out of the car at the end of the day after driving on roads like that. Sometimes we got lucky and they used asphalt. 
traveling on asphalt is so much quieter than traveling on concrete. Now, at times like that, I had to be careful not to fall asleep because although I wasn't driving, I was the person responsible for keeping Nancy awake. Coffee often helped. I also had to stay awake. The worst was when it rained really, really hard. I was so terrified, I wouldn't even let Pete take out the sound recorder while we were going through this incredible storm. I could see very little. And really, that explains why people with sufficient vision loss should give up their driver's licenses. It was pretty scary even to pull over to the side of the road because you're always worried about could the car traveling in back of you see that you had pulled off the road and you were afraid of getting slammed into. So often we would try to drive a little bit further if Nancy could and pull off onto an exit onto some small community and into a parking lot or something. And of course, every time we got to an exit ramp, the rain would let up. And so I'd keep going and a minute later, it would be another deluge. And this just repeated, repeated, repeated. It was horrible. That was pretty funny. It was pretty cyclical rain where it'd be pouring like cats and dogs for a couple of minutes, and then it would clear up for a couple of minutes and then go back to pouring cats and dogs again. Support for Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Find out more about partnership opportunities by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. This week's focus item is our cross-country trip. Well, this being our first big trip in a really long time, and since the pandemic, we were a little nervous, and so we decided to do a pre trip, kind of a trial run a month or two ahead of time. And so we went to Colorado Springs. It's an hour and a half drive from our house. And we've been there many times. And most of what we did there was outdoors. And we had a great time. But we used that opportunity to get ourselves used to eating indoors at a restaurant. We hadn't done that in a year and a half. Staying at a hotel and just being out among people. We actually stayed at a bed and breakfast, and I was quite impressed to see how well they were sanitizing, keeping people apart. Usually bed and breakfasts have several guests at a time that they feed breakfast to in the morning, and they actually separated guests by groups in different rooms. So they were very good. As were the restaurants. When we walked in, they were pretty spread out, pretty airy. There was one we walked into that wasn't spread out or airy, and we walked right out the door again and went somewhere else. So that way we felt we had some control. And if we really weren't happy with the situation or felt uncomfortable, it was an easy drive to go back home and just bail. But everything worked out real well, and it gave us a lot of confidence that we could make a longer trip and stay in hotels along the way and eat in restaurants and not have to worry about it too much. One added side benefit to this trip was we went to the brand new United States Olympic and Paralympic Museum. Now, you get the impression when the Olympics and Paralympics are on TV that pretty much everybody's watching the Olympics and everybody's hyping the Olympics. And oh, by the way, a few weeks later, there's these other games. But this museum really balanced the two pretty evenly 
and they had an incredible level of accessibility. So every video was closed captioned and every person who walked in the front door got a little RFID tag. And if you had accessibility requirements, every exhibit you walked up to did what you needed. So for example, I had asked for described audio and that was apparently encoded into my little RFID tag. And as we walked up to exhibits, they would magically start talking to me. So it was pretty interesting. They were also giving us very explicit directions about which way to go, how the room was laid out. There were many exhibits that a visually impaired person could participate in, including things like throwing balls and playing things like virtual goal ball, which was kind of fun. So if you're ever there, check it out. So since that trip went so well, we embarked on our longer road trip. One thing that was interesting about traveling during the transition period of the COVID pandemic was that each state we came through, there were different rules for wearing masks and what was acceptable or not. But then additionally, within each state, every establishment kind of had different rules. And particularly being blind, first of all, I didn't see any of the signs on the doors before we entered a venue, so I couldn't really tell what the rule was. So my method was to keep a mask always in my back pocket and then rely on Nancy. But then also when we got inside, Nancy could tell if most people were wearing masks or not, or if the employees were wearing masks. We were often more sensitive to the employees wearing masks, and we would put on our masks even though we were fully vaccinated. But not being able to see that always made me feel a little uncomfortable and a little bit not in compliance with keeping other people happy. When we were in Michigan visiting our son and grandsons, we stayed at their house. But getting there and back, we stayed in hotels. And for this trip, I was particularly sensitive to making reservations at chain hotels because I figured they had stricter rules that they were enforcing for themselves to keep the places clean. And one of the side benefits is that if you stay in a chain hotel, the layouts are pretty standard. And that's really kind of nice if you can't see. That's really helpful to me. I like walking into a hotel and knowing generally where the bed is, where the bathroom is. And the hotels we travel in, there's generally two or three designs that are pretty similar. But every once in a while, we'll stay in something a little that's a little oddball or a B&B or something like that. And it's very different. And then Nancy has to take me around and show me all the obstacles, show me where everything is. And then inevitably, I walk into some coffee table and bang my shins anyway. Another thing that was unusual for this trip Many of the chain hotels we stay at have a hot and cold buffet breakfast. That's very convenient because you don't have to go looking for food first thing in the morning. Well, buffets apparently aren't a thing right now because of COVID, and every hotel had a different interpretation of the rules. And some of them actually had a staff person standing there dishing out the warm eggs, but most of them just had what they called grab and go. And for anybody who's blind, who's been to a buffet with a sighted traveling companion, 
they will understand that the sighted traveling companion is back and forth and back and forth and back and forth between the table and the buffet. And with this grab-and-go system, it was a whole lot easier for me. Well, I always think in situations like that, that blind people ought to be born with extra arms. Because one arm I have on your shoulder to follow you, the other arm I'm carrying a cane, and where's the other arm to carry my food? So you wind up carrying everything, all the food and the drink, and it's a little awkward sometimes. So this prepackaged stuff was much easier. I didn't have to worry about spilling as much. So then we got to Michigan, and it was wonderful to be together in person with our son and our young grandsons. And to enhance our visit, among other things, we brought some of our old print Braille books so that Grandma and Grandpa could participate in reading the bedtime stories. So our listeners have heard us talk many times about the National Braille Press. And years ago, when our kids were young, we subscribed to their monthly book program where they would send you these print Braille books. And we have a whole bookshelf full of those. And it's about time to start giving them to the grandkids now and making them aware of Grandpa being blind and what that really means. Our kids in their 30s no longer want to hear those bedtime stories from me. The other interesting thing is how readily young kids kind of internally understand about being blind. Our older grandchild is almost six years old, but even when he was younger, he didn't really understand blindness. You couldn't have that conversation with him. But somehow he knew that grandpa needed help if he wanted to show me something or take me someplace. The interesting thing was when he was young, and even now, he won't hold anybody's hand. But if I'm standing there and he wants to show me something, he'll grab my hand, he'll walk me around, and he's very good at navigating me around. But then, of course, you have to watch out. Like when we were at the zoo and he gets distracted and sees some animal, all of a sudden that hand is dropped and he's off and running someplace. So I try to take my cane with me and be a little bit careful when I'm being guided around by someone like that. Well, and since I anticipated this issue, I was walking just a few feet behind them. So whenever Braden ditched Pete, I could take up the slack and, and Pete was not just abandoned in the middle of the pathway at the zoo. The other funny part of this weekend was our other grandchild just turned four and he's learning to count. And I was quite impressed. He starts going 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. He gets up to 28, 29. And then all of a sudden, after 29 came 2010. Now, that was really a pretty logical assumption to make, but it was incorrect. And it was interesting to see how young people actually learn. The other interesting thing is, as you can imagine, children this young they're kind of slobs. They play with a toy. They leave it wherever they happen to be playing with it when they lost interest. And usually in households with young children, there are toys all over the floor. But, you know, our son grew up with a blind father and he understood the consequences and he enforced encouraging the kids to get their stuff off the floor. And he commented to us that the floor was a whole lot clearer when we were there than when grandpa wasn't available to step on the toys. When our kids were young, we had daddy's bag. Daddy's bag meant that if any toys were left on the floor, they got picked up by 
Nancy and me and got put in Daddy's bag. And then Daddy's bag got put on a high shelf where they couldn't reach it for several days or a week. So when I came in the door and there were toys on the floor and I said, is this place clean or should I bring out Daddy's bag? They scurried all around and they picked up everything one by one and the house was eventually clean. Yeah, about 20 years later, we learned that they knew where Daddy's bag was stashed. And if we were ever out and a babysitter was there with them, they would scurry up to the hiding spot, take down Daddy's bag, play with the toys and put it back before we got home. But we never broke a toy or broke Daddy. So that was just wonderful, being able to spend some quality time with them. They took us to the zoo, as we mentioned, to the beach. To the playground. We, of course, took them out for ice cream because what else are grandparents for? And we just had a lot of time hanging out together. But then after a while, it was time to come home. And on the drive home, we tacked on one extra day so that each day would have fewer hours of driving. And so that would be less exhausting for me. And also we could take more breaks, and see some of the sites. And we researched this thoroughly because, frankly, the list of sightseeing wonders in Iowa and Nebraska is pretty short. Pickens are kind of slim. But we found some stuff that was fun. And most of them, you know, were good for a 20 or 30-minute break. We went to the world's largest truck stop. We went to a different rest stop that had a real windmill blade and a big exhibit about windmill power. This windmill blade was 150 feet tall, 11 feet in diameter at the base, and weighed 25,000 pounds. And the windmills scattered throughout Iowa all had three of these flying around as the wind rustled through. One of our other quick stops was the Devonian Fossil Gorge, Turned out it wasn't much of a gorge. It was pretty short and pretty wide, and we didn't see any fossils except each other. Yeah, I guess we were the only fossils there, huh? Right, but we got out of the car. We had a bit of a walk. It was pleasant. We stopped at the Amana Colonies. I thought we were going to see refrigerators and dishwashers there, but that wasn't what it was. No, it turns out 150 years ago, this group of German immigrants settled in Amana, Iowa, and their historic buildings are still there, many, many of them, and most of them are filled with artisans' shops. The rest of them are filled with food. So it's sort of like being at a year-round art fair, but with much better food. And half a dozen wineries. And a brewery. The thing that got to me was this otherwise peaceful town you'd walk through and there were these flocks of birds on all the rooftops kind of screeching and tweeting, and it was so loud, I just wanted to turn around and say, shut up, so I could have a little peace and quiet. We stopped at Lee's Legendary Marbles. If you remember the marbles we all used to play with as kids, those kind of marbles, only he's got a half a million of them. And then he has some specialty marbles that add up to another large number of marbles. Some of these are really beautiful art glass. He showed you an $8,000 paper mache marble that I wasn't going to touch. 
I didn't touch it. <laughs> I was nervous about damaging the thing. So if you're ever in the area, you'll have to stop by Lee's Legendary Marbles. There's also a Pony Express station just a few miles off the highway. That was technology from 1860. But here's a fun trivia tidbit. The Pony Express only ran for 18 months. They shut it down in 1861 when the Transcontinental Telegraph was completed, and that put the Pony Express out of business. But it's kind of fun to see one of the original stations, and you can actually postmark a letter from the Pony Express station. No horses anymore. No. The biggest stop we took was at the Strategic Air Command and Aerospace Museum. And we have been to air and space museums all over the country. This one outside Omaha, Nebraska, was actually one of the better ones, much to our pleasant surprise. And we had an excellent docent. This guy who led the tour for two hours was a retired mechanical engineer who happened to fly planes. And he had some great stories about the planes and how they were involved in World War II, as well as some of the mechanics of the planes. And it was just fascinating. So if you can catch a tour at some of these museums and really engage the docent, you can really have a good time and learn a lot. Much more interesting than just reading the science. One of the exhibits that I particularly enjoyed was the description of the SR-71 spy plane, or Blackbird. This plane flew so fast, over 2,000 miles per hour at supersonic speeds, that the skin heated to over 600 degrees Fahrenheit. This made the plane actually expand by over six inches. So it was a pretty cool plane to know more about. And there were many exhibits like that. And our final stop was at the Golden Spike Tower, which is the world's largest train switching yard. They had trains for eight miles, and they would bring them in from the east and resort the cars and send them off to the west or vice versa. And they've got a observation deck on the seventh floor where you can hear the trains squealing. Let's hear It's a huge place. They said they repair about 750 diesels every month. That's a lot of diesels in one place. And those diesels are half the length of a 747. So that's it for the places we stopped off on our trip. And as you can imagine from hearing these stories, just as the last time when we drove from Michigan to Colorado, which was four years ago when we moved here, we were a little stir-crazy after all that driving. The miles and miles and miles of corn were actually green this trip. The last trip, it was too early in the season, so all we saw was dirt. But much of the hay was actually amber. For spacious skies, for amber waves of grain. Two bold, bold, bold. 
mountains, majesties above the fruited plain. It was nice to hear voiceover try to chime in there as I was recording that little interchange. We actually sang the whole song, but we thought we would spare you. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Now for this week's final item, the end of the trip, our homecoming. Traveling through Nebraska and Iowa this time of year, there was a tremendous heat wave, and it was also very hot back in Golden. And fortunately, we had that covered, though. We had some Nest thermostats installed some time ago, and about an hour before we arrived back home, I was able to get on my phone and tell the thermostat to turn on the air conditioner so our house wouldn't be a thousand degrees when we walked inside. And it worked quite well. These smart thermostats are great, whether we're on the road or in the house. Most thermostats are difficult, if not impossible, for Pete to operate. But this one, he can operate from either an app on the phone or from our smart speaker, and so that's really handy. That is really cool, just to be able to speak my temperature requirements, or on, off, etc. So, as you may have guessed, we finally made it home. We are finally just a couple of miles from home, and ready to pull into our neighborhood any minute. It's been a long trip. 2,485 miles. Next time we're flying. Here we are. The garage is going up. We're pulling in. We have arrived. And welcome home. Thank you. You too. Ah, good to be home. It is always good to be back home after a long trip. Well, of course, this week we don't have any contact or resource information to give you. But in our show notes, we'll have links to a couple of previous episodes. One is where we actually did an episode about our cross-country move from New York State to Colorado. And that was really a fun show. We enjoyed doing that. And then there's another show we did more recently about our move just from one side of Golden to the other last year, just as the pandemic started. That was kind of an interesting process. We couldn't even show our house for a couple of weeks as we had put in an offer on another house. So, But it all worked out, and here we are in our new house now. That's it for show number 2129. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about creating solutions to solve problems. Doug Lee has been blind his whole life. In addition to writing JAWS scripts for Level Access, a firm that develops access solutions for other companies, Doug also freely shares many scripts and tools he has developed to improve access to commonly used programs. We'll talk with Doug about his life and about the tools he's created that he shares. And you might know Doug's name from the scripts he has written and freely distributed for Skype for Microsoft Teams, and for a number of other applications that you might use. So join us next week for that show. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman-Torpy and Peter Torpy. 
You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show or have suggestions for future shows, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.